Welcome to the Panema Wellness Podcast. I'm Yona Chatsunov, registered nurse, women's health educator, and Bodeka Tara. And I am passionate about educating and empowering from women in their search for health and well-being. In this podcast, we explore health topics in a sensitive and practical way, answer questions, and discover new ideas and perspectives from other from women like ourselves. I'm so glad you've joined me on this journey to learn new information in a safe and curious space. Hi there. In this podcast, I'm going to talk about safe infant sleep, including back to sleep, and a little background on how and why this campaign got pushed so widely, plus other safe infant sleep guidelines and some safety tips for women who decide to bed share. This podcast has a companion blog post on my site, fromwomenshealth.com, so please check that out for helpful links. Safe sleep is a bizarrely loaded topic. I think just because people get so judgy. Those who are passionate about it feel very passionate about it, and people in your life from different generations or circles can have opposite opinions. Especially when you're struggling with a fussy baby, you're totally exhausted, it's really hard to figure out which way you want to go. Like, okay, how safe does my baby's safe sleep setup really need to be? It's painful to think about, But the reason we care so much about how babies are put to sleep is because of SIDS, Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, which is now also sometimes grouped with SUID, Sudden Unexpected Infant Death, which has slightly different criteria. SIDS is still somewhat of a medical mystery. The exact mechanism isn't well understood. I daven we should never ever encounter such a tragedy. And Baruch Hashem, the rates have decreased tremendously over the last few decades. But we continue to do our hishtadlis as parents, in this as in all areas. The truth is that this topic has always been very important to me. I knew growing up that my grandmother had lost a baby to SIDS, and later I learned that my mother's earliest memory was when it was discovered that he'd passed away. This made a really strong impression on me. I hate when people say to me, well, we all slept on our tummies and we're fine. Well, yeah, we're the ones who made it. So... We have to give voice to the babies who very sadly do not. This is where we get to the difference between anecdotal evidence, which is evidence based on personal experience or evidence that's collected unscientifically, and empirical evidence, which is evidence that's related to studies. It stays the same no matter who is doing the observing. We are highly biased as humans to act based on personal experience or anecdotal evidence. And that's not a bad thing in general. It's how we learn throughout life to make the right choices. But when it comes to events that Baruch Hashem don't happen so often, the best way to make choices is to depend on empirical evidence, observations that have been made when observing thousands and thousands of people so that we have a fuller picture. This is true not just when it comes to safe sleep, but also to many other health practices. I want to start by talking just a little bit about back to sleep and safe sleep, how they became a topic, which is hard to imagine now, but there was a time when it wasn't even a thing. SIDS was only recognized as its own condition in 1969. Um, Before that, they used to call it like mother overlay. They just assumed that everyone had rolled over onto their babies, which is a horrifying thought. In the 1970s, researchers started working on finding a solution. Starting in the late 80s, countries around the world specifically began studying the link between sleep position and SIDS after they discovered very low rates, like almost non-existent SIDS in Hong Kong, where babies were all put to sleep on their backs and nobody smoked. And one by one, they began recommending putting babies on their backs to sleep. 
The Netherlands came first, followed by the UK and Australia and some other countries. In 92, a recommendation came out in the United States for babies to be put to sleep on their back or side, and it was only in 94 that a huge campaign was started. The message was printed on formula bottles, broadcast on radio station PSAs, TV advertisements, robocalls. In 1968, more data came in that sleeping babies on their backs was significantly safer than side sleeping, so back to sleep really came into its own. After that, researchers noticed that there was conflicting data from bed sharing. Under some conditions, it was definitely hazardous, although in others, keeping baby nearby seemed to be protective. In 2012, the U.S. switched to safe, switched from back to sleep to safe to sleep to include that everything people could do to prevent SIDS, both actively by taking certain measures and inactively or passively by not doing certain things. The safe to sleep model is basically the same as the one used in Israel. The graphs tracking SIDS rates are really remarkable. In the early 1990s, the curves drop off very sharply. Remember, they'd been working on a solution to SIDS for years already before they figured out the connection between sleep position and SIDS. So yes, babies definitely sleep more deeply and longer on their tummies. And that's where I personally found that I got pressure from people in my life other than the medical professionals. So when I'd be like, oh, my baby's just not sleeping. They say, well, why don't you put them on their tummies? But that might be the connection to SIDS. We're really not sure why it happens. And no, babies don't choke on their spit up, so that's not a reason to keep them on their bellies. They tilt their heads to the side and they let it dribble out, and it actually keeps them from rebreathing any of it if they were to be face down and spit up. Yes, you do need to do tummy time with your babies, like religiously. When a baby is awake, he or she can practice building up his or her arms, arms, neck, um, upper body, you don't want to wait until the baby is a couple months old and already hates it. Start it the first week they're home. If the baby falls asleep, just flip it over. Flip, flip them over, flip her over. Tummy time will also help with the flat heads that babies get when they sleep on their backs. And generally, a baby's head does not end up so flat that there's a problem as long as their upper body musculature is developed well, as long as they're getting sufficient tummy time. Alternating the head and feet of the better crib, like which direction you put the head down towards one end or towards the other, can also help with head shape because even before babies are moving a lot, they will sort of shift towards certain sights and sounds. So it keeps them going both directions. And yes, they will still get, get that little bald spot on the back of their head, but it's really not a big deal and it does grow out. A question that comes up a lot is, my baby just started rolling over what should I do? Do I need to turn them back over? If you have one of those very precocious flippers who starts turning to their stomach at two to three months, but cannot consistently flip themselves back, then you roll them back over as soon as they've fallen asleep. If your baby is around four to six months old, turning both directions confidently, you don't need to worry about it at all. You put them down on their backs and let them do what they want. And that is considered a safe sleep practice. Let's review some of the other basic safe sleep practices. Baby should be put to sleep on his or her own firm mattress. Notice they don't say swings, they don't say car seats. 
It really is important for baby to be laid flat. This helps keep their, their rib cage able to expand. It keeps their airways and their upper body, their neck open, and it helps the musculature in their backs to develop properly. And it does stay firm, so it doesn't need to be fluffy. They're not sensitive like adults are. They don't weigh very much, so that helps. Uh, no loose bedding, no bumpers. In the United States, sleep sacks are really popular. We just kind of zip your baby in, their arms stick out, but there's nothing loose at all. In Israel, even the flyers you bring home from the hospital show a blanket tucked firmly around the baby's feet. The baby's at the bottom of the bed and they tuck the blanket in around the base of the mattress and along the sides. So it's pulled tight along the top of baby and there's no extra fabric and also baby can't uh, wiggle down underneath it because they're already at the foot of the bed. You can also try layering flannel footsie pajamas over cotton pajamas, something like that. It is important not to over bundle baby. You don't want baby to overheat. Be particularly cautious about this in winter. Some cultures, they like, they'll throw on blankets and coats and you just kind of have to dig baby out to see them. And again, it's really important for them not to overheat. You just need to put them in one more layer than you, the adult would wear at that temperature. So the next thing is co-sleeping. And the term co-sleeping is tricky because it can be used to mean sharing a room or sharing a bed. When they want to differentiate, they'll call sharing a bed is now called bed sharing to be specific because co-sharing a bedroom is highly recommended really for the first year, but at least for the first six months. This is known to prevent SIDS. Using a pacifier when you put baby to sleep is also recommended. You don't need to replace it in the middle of night of the night, but as baby is falling asleep, you can give them a pacifier. There is a connection to an increased rate of ear infections. So depending on family history, some people are more hesitant to introduce a pacifier. Some women are also more hesitant to introduce a pacifier in the first month as they're establishing breastfeeding. Understandable. It's something to consider a little bit later on, around one month. Breastfeeding itself is highly protective against SIDS. So if a woman's on the fence about whether she wants to breastfeed or not, this is another pro towards breastfeeding. Smoking during pregnancy or around baby, they're both risk factors. I don't think that many from women are smoking, but many from women do have someone else in their life who is smoking. And first of all, it's recommended that they quit, but if they won't or can't, Try and avoid exposure to secondhand smoke. That's thing number one. Baby should not be exposed to secondhand smoke. Smoking needs to happen outside the house. Number two is even thirdhand smoke has a lot of chemicals in it. It's best to avoid it. So what is thirdhand smoke? That's what is left clinging to clothing, furniture after someone has smoked. <laughs> I remember learning in school this recommendation that people who smoke should wear a smoking a smoking jacket basically like they used to wear one extra layer that they can remove either an oversized shirt just anything that they can take off before they hold the baby wash hands with soap etc prenatal care and vaccination routine um, infant vaccinations are also linked to decreased risk of SIDS let's talk again for a minute about breastfeeding baby so some women have this concern that they're going to fall asleep while they're breastfeeding and they're just so concerned they do everything they can to stay awake they'll only nurse sitting up in the middle of the night. 
And the truth is that it's safer to fall asleep with your baby in your bed than it is on the couch or in a cushioned chair where the baby could, God forbid, slip to the side. So if we're talking about your husband watching the baby on the couch and he finds himself dozing off, it's really better for him to put the baby in the stroller, the swing, a bouncer, not on him on the couch. When you yourself are nursing at night, just clear a spot on the bed that's away from pillows, away from blankets, so that if you doze off, there's less concern and you can put baby back as soon as you wake up. They have these great in-bed co-sleepers if your bed is big enough, so baby will be literally lying right next to you, but on her own firm and guarded surface, or they have the ones that come right up against the side of your bed, which is really nice also if a woman's had a C-section and it's hard for her to lean over, reach down, so baby will be at your height. Okay, you say, that's all well and good, but I actually want to sleep with my baby. I think it's natural. I enjoy nursing at night. I find we sleep better. Maybe even I'm sure that this is safer for my baby. I've read some of the studies that show a really strong connection between co-sleeping and protective and it being protective against it. So you don't drink alcohol, you sleep lightly. Okay, there are tips for you too. The number one tip though, is that breastfeeding mothers are the safest bed sharers. If you really wanna co-sleep, it really is best that you be a breastfeeding mother. If you don't breastfeed, mothers as the primary caregivers are still considered safer than fathers. So try not to put the baby in bed with your husband. He's just not as likely to wake up if he rolls in the wrong direction. The same goes for older children. And you really cannot have a water bed, a super soft and fluffy bed, even certain memory foam mattresses. It really needs to be a safe mattress for the baby. Keep pillows and blankets away from baby. Don't use big fluffy down blankets. Use a thinner blanket. Keep it lower down on your body. Don't have those really long pillowcases that are just kind of floating around. And make sure that if you have long hair, you keep your hair tied back. If there's a night that you find yourself to just be crazy tired, or if you've taken some kind of cough medication that makes you sleepy, it's definitely better to put baby to sleep on another surface for that night. Last thing is that keeping a mattress on the floor prevents any dangerous falls, and it also gives you the option of a side-by-side mattress. So your mattress and baby's mattress right next to each other. Baby can even still feel you move, sense you breathing, but you don't have to worry about them getting stuck underneath your blankets or anything. One final tip is that if you have hopefully a back sleeping baby, then you need to be sure to tell anyone else who's babysitting your baby, putting your baby down to nap, daycare provider, grandparent, friend, that your baby needs to be put down to sleep on his or her back. Babies who always sleep on their backs are at even higher risk when they're put down on their tummies to sleep. They're not used to it. So it's a really important thing to remember to mention. I hope that this whole podcast is helpful. I do truly believe that there should be something in here for everyone who wants to provide a safer sleep environment for their baby. Each person needs to take into account their own, their own beliefs, their own setup, and do what they can. Like we all want to keep our babies, babies safe, and there is something for everyone to do. Again, on my website from womenshealth.com, I've included a few great links. One of them is from the National Institute of Health in the United States. It's really comprehensive, very clear, a lot of pictures, very by the book. There's a link to a March of Dimes website, which is more concise, less information. It's got a slightly gentler tone. It has also some tips about how you can keep 
how you can get one of those fussy babies to sleep. And it includes reassurance for breastfeeding moms who are worried about falling asleep with their baby in bed. And the last link is a little less traditional. There is a Dr. McKenna. He's a professor at University of Notre Dame, and his field of study is safe bed sharing. So he has really gone through the data around the world to see what mothers who want to bed share can do to bed share more safely. He also includes some stuff about daycares and babysitting, like what's been shown to be best for baby. I find that fast, that website to be fascinating. And if this is a topic of interest to someone, then I really recommend looking at that as well. So thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for joining me on today's Panema Wellness Podcast. For more information on this and other women's health topics or to schedule a consultation, please visit fromwomenshealth.com. Questions and feedback are also always welcome.